0: welcome to video game bullshit
1: this is master daniel facina get over here
2: to video game bullshit
1: Jeffrey Wittenhagen, I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys.
0: Hey, I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, Pretty much anything video game related. also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins.
1: Please call our number, leave a voicemail, or a text message at
2: 262-264-VGBS. I like Smash TV too, I played it, I like it. I like all the things where you win the VCRs and the TVs, and, oh, no. and then you see the guy with the girls. I'm like, can can we get the girls too? Can can uh, can our character get the girls also? <laughs> like this is I'm great. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. Come fun. on, that's a reward we should get too. We what should get the, that you know, reward also.
0: There's one like secret room. And yeah, there's girl icons at the very work. end.
2: At the very end, though, but I mean, like during yeah. the game, that could be an incentive. You know? Yeah, that
1: would have been great. <laughs> Damn it, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, what's cool about that is the double joystick idea where one joystick controls your movement, one joystick controls your firing, and that's, like, brilliant, which Robotron, you know, really started that. It's, it's a whole different idea. Castlevania
1: 4 tried to do that They're on the web, too.
0: Oh, Castlevania 4's controls are amazing. That's the thing. Going going back to Dracula X and Rondo, like, Richter was more of a straight shooter, where. With Simon and CV four, they really give you the option to go wild, you know. And also use that to
1: block projectiles, like when they would come at you. Super rad.
2: <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think that it's funny because I play. I like playing. Um, I kind of. I sometimes I play the first level of uh, Super Castlevania four, and then I play the first level of Dracula X. It's so much different. It's so much of a yeah. different experience because even though you have the item crash in Dracula X. Uh-huh. It's so stiff. The controls are utterly stiff, and they are just Big like time. they're unbearable. You know, unless you're a really good Castlevania player, it's a very, it's a very broken game. You know, because like, why <laughs> don't they just incorporate the controls with the awesome multi level whip? They do it in Symphony of the Night, where you're Richard yeah. Symphony of the Night, and you have the cool uppercut, the spinning blade dash. I'm like, why don't we have this stuff? This is the stuff we need in this game. You know, well,
1: yeah. and, and there's been the argument recently. That Dracula X on the Super Nintendo is a completely different game than Rondo Blood. Like, it's a, in parallel. It's not the same
0: game at all. You can't whip in the different directions. Well, and what's funny is with what you're saying is almost like just when you started to improve, you like went back. Went back to the original. (laughs) And the original original. (laughs) Which it has to be said, though, that that's the, the whole thing. Like, it's very stiff. Castlevania yes. one through three, very very stiff, very precise. Correct. Yeah, it's got its own little like directional deal going, you know. True. Yeah, it makes it its own thing, and with what Jeff and I always laugh about, yeah, when you get hit, you always fall back like Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. So you like pay for your mistakes. They, they throw you into the pit. Down, you sink. Now, Simon's Quest, though, I always thought would be cool, like movie because it's so open and there's so many. I you could do like the graveyards and the marshes and like the underground, you know, layers and stuff like that. Lakes and there's stuff underneath the lakes. I mean, with especially with the computer graphics they have now, Simon's Quest always made my imagination go crazy as a kid. Cause you could go anywhere and you could look at all the signs and each town had a name and the woods had names and the marshes had names. And it was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I loved it. And that was weird when like the AVGN kind of like trashed it, but it's a classic episode and he has great points with the translation problems and stuff like that. But when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite games because you go anywhere. You had that freedom, you know, Simon's quest.
2: I thought was just fantastic. I think it's it's a very it's a really intre- I think they should remake the game like they yeah. just you know, with updated graphics and stuff. Have you and played think- the the
0: actual remake that they made for PC? No. There's like no, this remake you can get and it's all like cleaned up and you might want to check it out. It's pretty cool. And at yeah, least go fun. on go on YouTube and watch like a playthrough, you know, when you're chilling or something. Yeah, but- I will.
2: Of of Castlevania 2 you said?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah one, it's kind well, of like, kinda like uh, King's King's Quest 3, how they remade King's Quest 3. That's the one, right, Jeff?
1: Yeah, that was the one that we did for homework.
0: Also. Yeah. It's also like a, another another made... Metroid 2 remake,
1: like the one that we talked about, That the one that Nintendo pulled. Same thing.
0: I think you'll enjoy the playthrough, though. I actually watched the whole fucking thing because I thought it was so cool <laughs> <laughs> once I got mm. into it.
2: That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's but it's for PC, so it's kind of like you download it from a site. It's probably still up somewhere, like a Bobo's Big Adventure or something like that. Oh I yeah, I think that's a that's a flash game though. I think, but
2: yeah, the um, one I saw was um, I saw the uh, Unreal um, remake of Castlevania One, and it was pretty awesome. I liked the metal heavy metal, you know, vampire killer music. See, that was another problem with the Castlevania series. Where's the music? Where's Bloody Tears? Where's Vampire Killer? Where's Wicked Child? Where are these great soundtracks?
0: Wicked Child, amazing. So underrated. That was the thing with college. Uh, I I had a class where the professor turned down the music on the movie, and it was like, no one felt any emotion at all. Once you turn the music on, you're in tears. Like... That's the brilliance of music and film combined, which I've always been intrigued with and fascinated with. Because if you can blend those two correctly, you can manage people's emotions, like, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's half of why exactly.
1: some of these games for the NES and Super Nintendo hold up so well. Because the music has such a base to it. Like and I'm not talking about be like the bass, but the like bass- Sega bass. <laughs> yeah, not talking about Sega Bass. I'm talking, <laughs> you know, the basis behind the music actually draws you in because it's so musically perfect as it's written. It's written by like freaking Beethoven basically. And we're sitting here listening to it in an NES chip tune and then you have these bands now that just cover it because it's so amazing and easy to cover but complex at the same time.
2: It's funny that people make fun of like, they're like, it's video game music. I'm like, dude, these are masterpieces. All these musics Uh are masterpieces and particularly the Castlevania, the Gothic horror type of aspect. It's perfect. It's perfect. And see, and that's, that's like, and that's one thing I would want in my movie. Like if I make a movie, Castlevania movie, I want the music. I want to have like at least one track from all the series, like to have all, you know, so people can have that nostalgia come in and it's like, that's what people need. Like they need that. And I think Konami needs to get on it too. Like Konami has been slipping up and they need to get their stuff together, you know? Well
1: the, the whole making pa-chinks, man.
0: Well I, I still credit Castlevania teaching me how to play guitar, teaching me the pedal point, you know, going back to the same note over and over again like Bach. It's that's like there's a pedal point aspect and then the whole prayer like, that, just that whole um, scale, which everything's based on scale, so right. if you know how to play a scale, you'll never hit a wrong note. You're um, right, right. Yeah, so that's, like, the medieval scale, and Jeff and I played so much, like, metal and just, uh-huh. like, uh, acoustic, too, and folk. I play acoustic, yeah. Ambient, stuff like that, and that's that was the whole thing, where it always centered around that the medieval badassness of it, and it just, exactly. it, it never gets old and it's never, it's not too cheesy. You know, it's just right. In my opinion, I, I, totally, agree.
2: I yeah, totally agree. I totally agree. And I think the gothic horror is such a wow. powerful thing. And it's like, that was yes. an interesting thing that I felt was lacking again. I'm sorry. I'm critiquing the series so heavily, but right. oh, yeah, with do it. it.
1: We haven't talked about it on the cast. Let's fucking This strike. is awesome, yeah.
2: <laughs> my real my real problem with it is it's way too much talking. It's way too much like, you know, um like they have this kind of romance and stuff. I'm like, but that's not what Castlevania is about. They need to do what Castlevania is about, which is it's fighting monsters. It's about going out there and adventuring and seeing these great landscapes. They do that a little bit, but it's not just one monster. You see Medusa heads, you see dogs, you see zombies, you see all these werewolves, all these amazing creatures that are in this world. Frankenstein monster. They're all there. You know, Medusa's even there, you know, interesting. Like this hippogriff bird is there. I'm like, can we get the monsters here? That's a part. What's Castlevania's about? It's the mythology. You can see in religion, in like comparative religion, Castlevania is the perfect thing for me because it has it's completely comparative religion. It has all these ancient, you know, things from mythology all thrown into this one situation. Exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 All the bosses, like. Well, and the, the whole mummy. thing. Yeah, and the Cyclops, mummy. Minotaurs, all again, of it. Mummies from like Egypt. We even have Egypt here. You know,
2: werewolves, everything.
0: Show, the actual, the actual show like spends more
1: time sitting in that town, just <laughs> that's developing terrible. the the background of why they're there instead of actually just focusing on the en- the bad guys and the enemies. And it's like such a waste.
2: And so the priests weird. and the priests are the bad guys. And I'm like, that's not what Castlevania is about. Like, see, if I had been in my thing, <laughs> you could so have as a person. subplot, but it's the major plot. The priests yeah. are corrupt, and I'm like, dude, why does oh, it? Yes. The priest become like a vampire or something, and then and then um, Trevor has to fight the the priest that killed, uh, or you know, that killed the wife of um, of um, uh, exactly because he caused the problem. That would have been interesting. No, a monster comes and bites his head off. I'm like, <laughs> what a wasted, what a wasted you, you opportunity. Know is that's really, the thing true, to build like... a character too.
1: Yeah, it's exactly
2: to be... yes. building the character is exactly that's the what biggest it is.
1: Thing. Because, like, it seemed like the whole first season they literally keep dangling the fucking carrot at you saying, look, we're going to do Castlevania. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Next season, we're going to do it. We're going to do Castlevania the whole freaking time. Because, like, literally the subplot was Dracula and his minions. That should have been the main plot. But it's like, oh, no, we're going to get that next time. But that's what it looks like.
2: Exactly. And exactly.
1: No climax. No. Exactly. You know, it was like, oh we need a catharsis. Perfect.
2: If you're going to build up like I'm going to I'll give you a, a spoiler of my story, okay? So this is a spoiler of my story Ooh, so you can know what I'm doing. Spoiler. I'm going to be a little spoiler. Ooh, right. So, you know Shaft, <laughs> so you know Shaft is is the bad guy in Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood, right? Yeah, he the, yeah, he's, the, yeah.
0: He's second to Dracula. He's like the the sorcerer. Dracula but he's kind a of the major, he's
2: the major antagonist basically throughout yeah. the whole story. And he brings back Dracula. Of course, Dracula yes. is the penultimate, you know, it's the ultimate boss, but he's the yes. penultimate boss. But my character is a descendant of Shaft. So he has a chip on his shoulder, right? He's a necromancer, right? So he, ha- he's a great sorcerer, but he wants to be better than his ancestor. He wants to be better than his ancestor. And he wants to cool. destroy the Belmont, you know, at this time, because the Belmont killed his ancestor. So he wants revenge. Sure. Makes sense. So that's the part of, that's a part, of, he has this chip on his shoulder and he's like, I'm going to become the greatest, you know, nemesis. And I think that's, a, and, and, and it builds up because this character, you know, meets with the protagonist several times. He doesn't just fight him once. He fights him several times. So you get to see the progression between him because he first, first and foremost, he's far more powerful than the protagonist because his magical power is so strong. You know, he's stronger than shaft is, you know, he has because yeah. he can do necromancy too. Well, Shaft is able to summon monsters too, right? He mm-hmm. summons Medusa, yeah. and he summons the Frankenstein monster. In one battle, if you play in Rondo of Blood, there's an alternative battle where Shaft yep. summons these monsters where you fight them. Yep. So Absolutely. my, my car- this the Ant- major antagonist is the descendant of him. So they have this blood feud you know like bloodlines like you know castlevania bloodlines there's a yeah. bloodline feud going on so he the one is coming from one bloodline the other coming from another bloodline and so they they have this antagonism against each other right you know this 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 age-old battle against their their families you know so sure. i think it's important and in and, and both and actually it's interesting because my protagonist is more of like a a magician he's more of a sorcerer than he is a warrior so he, th- that's the funny thing so he relies on mostly sorcery but this other his antagonist has more powerful sorcery than him you know yeah. he learns how to use like the the vampire killer and stuff too during the, the story but he, d- he doesn't begin off knowing how to use having a great weapon you know format like the other his ancestors have which i think so, isn't
1: an- so he has to use like the weapon to overcome his lack of magical powers as compared to shafts ancestor.
2: well uh the thing is so he he uses a weapon to help him he once exactly. he learns how to use weapons so he uses this bloodline to to give him an edge and he gains more powerful skills when he de- defeats opponents he gets more power from that each time he defeats the opponent just like you know you see in uh, Castlevania where you know where they you see that orb of energy that comes and then yeah. you absorb the power. At the end well, of the it's level. Kind of like that. Exactly. So, but this will even have more of a twist in my own narrative, so.
0: Perfect. You know.
2: Yeah, they actually should have done more with that,
0: now that you mention it. Because we, we never really knew what that was, other than, like, you know, you beat the level. That's what it was. <laughs> you beat but, the level, but, now we gotta make it something. That's
2: what i The way cool. I like, saw it was, I saw it's like, it's the energy of the enemy that you're absorbing. That's how I saw it, you know? Awesome.
0: Yeah, so you can add stuff like, like. Uh, Mega Man, how when you beat
2: like a boss? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I want in my story. Yeah. <laughs> so my Mega Man in it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So, go so to my laugh. character defeats an opponent; he gains that power. That's exactly the premise. That's amazing. We
1: should be writing this shit. What the hell? You need to be making this into a book for sure. I want to read I am working. I'm working on the book, exactly. And I, I wrote my
2: synopsis shit. already, so I'm going to work on my two pages. So I'm glad that you appreciate it because that's it's good to talk to fellow kind of gamers to see where, if my ideas are good in this situation. And I'm like, that's exactly the premise is that. So when he gains the skill, when he faces a new opponent, he can use the skill that he had from before to help him overcome the opponent. And that's a very video game type of trope, also, you know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, you're making an all new Castlevania style narrative.
2: Exactly. I'm taking the premise and then putting my own unique understanding within it to make it more appealing, because I think it's more interesting to have a weak character who gains power and develops, instead of a character who's just consistently strong. I was going to say
0: that, yeah. The uphill climb, let's put it like that. It should be always an uphill climb, and then at the end, the roller coaster is, like, real fast and awesome. At the very end is, like, you know, where he becomes, like, the master, you know, but... That you have to have the climb for the very end to pay off. There's a math to it. It's like a math equation. So it sounds more like instead of just being Castlevania
1: 3, that this is its own narrative. like Which it's, is awesome, uh, too. This yeah. is like a in the future, but in the same world as Castlevania 3, which is badass.
2: Well, it's, it's actually the future of Castlevania 3. So mine is set That's in awesome. the future. That's it's set. Perfect. It's set around the sort of the 1800s, but we don't know that in the beginning. That kind of gets revealed, but it's sort of towards the 1800s. And it ex- and I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you another spoiler. But it explains oh. why how um you know how the Morris family gets the vampire killer. Yeah. That's a part of the story too. That's a What's part. Of that. the, oh. I answers that question yeah, exactly. Because yeah. yeah. let's you know, explain how how John Morris got the vampire killer. Well, my story gonna explain that, so
1: <laughs> that's rad. That's no, it's a cool like middle piece of the puzzle right there. That's freaking awesome. And and the thing is, is that you could go about writing the book in a, a couple multitude of ways too. You could even do it with some, you know, actual imagery and pictures that are drawn by an artist throughout the book. Like like a worlds of hours style, but still write it in your own style and not write it for you know, like a child's version, which is like the Children's Adventures. It's written for a younger audience. You could write it, but then still add the actual art to it. Uh, we have some gothic art throughout.
2: Do you Do you have an idea of a good artist that I could talk to?
1: I know a bunch
2: for whatever you would think would be a good fit for this situation. I'm totally down, and I'm going to start writing, and then I can. I don't care how much it, you know, whatever it costs. It's an investment to me, so I don't uh-huh. care. You know. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I know a few really awesome artists like ones that have a really cool evil aspect to them um and yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk offline of course so that way that sounds in, awesome in case they're not interested we're not diming them out on air
2: right that's fine <laughs> trying to do that <laughs>
1: We're stemming your your mind and thinking outside the, the freaking box, which is awesome. That's what it's all about, man. My, my main thing is Evolving. no matter no matter what you think or say, when you're working on content creation, there is never enough time, so you just got to do it. Like yeah. I literally, I've been working, you know, fifty hours a week, sixty hours a week. I'm still doing my book shit after work, after family time. Like I just do it because you got to make time.
2: Family time, I love it. I love oh, family I, time. Oh, I, gotta watch <laughs> I, always on I always see your family time on Facebook. It's awesome. Hell it's yeah. great.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's it's cool. And the thing is, is that you got to make time for everything because we live in the You're now. Right. before we know it. We're all going to be old and be like, what if I should have done this?
2: Exactly. I'm a hundred percent with you. Be yeah. here now. Be here now. Don't be it yeah. into tomorrow. Don't be in yesterday. Be here now. That's what I say.
1: Exactly. And like, you got it. like a, and the thing is, is that, you know, Kyle and I have been, we figure shit out. Like we share it. Like we don't close hold it. So it's like, no, if I figure out how to freaking cheaply make books and distribute them far and wide, anybody who wants to make books, like can jump with me. Like, that's the craziness. I have a warehouse now and crazy madness. And like even like Kurt Collada, who's been making books way before me, I'm like, he's, he's doing some new thing where, um, he's doing this crowdfunding right now, which will be in the past at this point when the audio comes out. But like, he's doing it and it's out of Europe. And I'm like, well, dude, I got a warehouse. If you want to save on shipping, (laughs) like you just mail them in lump to my warehouse, just pay whatever the cost is. Like, he's like, sweet. Like just help out everyone, and then we all fucking grow, and all our hobby gets cooler. That's what we want.
2: <laughs> I'm totally with you. I think we have to support each other because exactly. that's how these great yeah. ideas are going to come out. Like that's the problem why yeah. we don't have good video game movies is because we're letting these garbage makers, like I'm sorry, like Uwe Ball, p- produce this gar- House of the Dead garbage. <laughs> like I couldn't believe that House of the that Dead garbage. All these. Every Alone in the Dark garbage like I, I, it's unbelievable. It's like and he and he's and he's putting this defamation on video games, you know. Alone in the Dark. What's so the far.
0: story with Alone in the Dark?
2: Alone in the Dark is basically this kind of like it was the first survival horror game.
0: I have like a YouTube run through where I go through every situation. Yeah, I'm very familiar with the game. It's so just, what's
2: what's the, the, movie? Oh, the movie? Oh, you're asking about the movie? Edward Carnby. But he's uh he's what's that guy's name? Christian Slater. He's oh, Christian Slater. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and th- and these people have these mutant things in their spines, and I'm like, that's not what Alone in the Dark is about. No. for plus, plus Edward Carnby's way in the past, you know, he's like this character who exists in the like, what was it, the 1800s or something? You know, yeah. it was like a long, long time ago, 19th century, and I'm like, why are you doing this to this character? And then Tara Reid pops in, in all her, you know, B movie glory, she pops in, you she know, goes, as a scientist. She's a scientist. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm like, yes, I get you could be a you know a pornography star, but I I don't believe that you are uh you know, a scientist, <laughs> I'm be, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they're not like in the house, Cthulhu, HP Lovecraft, awesomeness. None of it. None no, of that's, it. that's the problem. They're no pirate, again. Another example
1: where they just took a movie and then just threw the fucking license on it and just tried to make it fit.
0: Where it well, that's that's what the problem is, is. The script makers like maybe watch the movies or the series movies once, but once play the game, maybe once saw one. some screenshots on the game. See, that's that's the problem though. Is yeah. you can you can tell they just don't dig deep. The Lord of the Dark, though. See, I'd never seen the movie, so it's cool that that you can mention. Mention that. Yeah, that. That's a shame, though, man.
2: Have you played House of the Dead before on the Dreamcast? Yeah, oh, and the actual one on arcade one's things. really
0: fun, man. man yeah.
2: It has nothing to do with the movie. The no. movie is like, it's like oh. these kids are all surviving. The, movie and, is like
0: a, <laughs> the worst part of House of the Dead. Movie is
1: terrible. Literally, you have all these scared shit teenagers that are literally, again, exactly a fucking movie. And all of a sudden, it's like, snap. Now they're badasses
0: shooting and getting headshots on zombies immediately. There's a it's matrix aspect to it though, right? Yeah. Like, like you can tell it was in the Matrix era where it's like, Well, now we're badass. <laughs> it's like, <"This> is terrible. <laughs> like You're like,
2: right. You're right. And and one thing that mits sickened me about the movie too is there's all these funny, like, quirky bosses that are bizarre and strange. And I'm like, that's the part of that they're not doing in the video games, like in the video game adaptations. They're not taking these fascinating, interesting monsters and bringing them into this world.
0: Hence Mortal Kombat, the first Mortal Kombat coming right back to the source. That's why <laughs> cool. the movie's awesome. You have Goro, Reptile, Scorpion. They they all have their own little worlds and they all have their own properties
2: and the only um, weird thing I found about that movie was they had all these little you know nameless enemies that you that they fight I'm like you don't just take that out you don't this is a tournament where these two these people are fighting just make it completely enter of the the dragon where you have this tournament thing we don't need like all these hundreds of masked figures fighting I mean that's too cliche and they did one of they added this character this guy you know, who's like this martial arts guy, and he gets killed by Gore. I'm like, why are we adding this character? What's the was, was, that, of this um, guy?
1: was that the guy who was the tiger? Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think so.
0: Akeem,
1: Akeem the Machine Austin, whatever his name is.
0: Yeah,
2: it was W-A-M-A-C- so stupid.
1: Masters. You remember the TV show on Saturday? after It was right before wrestling. Yeah, that it was him. A UMAC Masters. That was because- him. Shang Soon was also on that show. And a few of the oh other God. guys. You're and so and Akeem the Machine. It was all yeah. literally just choreographed and scripted martial arts that they did as a story. And he was the little tiger guy in Mortal Kombat. It was him. And I'm like, why the fuck is he even in there? He's not even a kid.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like those squash matches on, like, wrestling where they'd have some that, random guy get destroyed a by, better by, like, video game movie talent. So, yeah, that was... That's the better one, and they still fucked it up a little bit. They didn't bit. really need it, though. They no. didn't need that. But, yeah, as far as video game to adaptations, it's few and far between, like, for real, though. Yeah.
2: They're I all mean, usually it.
0: bad. And yeah. that's that's why, though. Okay, we have to mention Super Mario Brothers. They also had Double uh, Dragon, too. And Street Fighter. I think mean, Super, Super Mario Brothers got, like, half a star. But it has nothing, like, the Goomba is wearing, like, a so trench dead. coat
1: movie's so like, good
0: why is it, why does the goomba <laughs> have a trench coat on like why is Yoshi's he why like, is he tall like what the <laughs> fuck Yoshi's is happening where's though? the mushroom
2: why are everybody lizards <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the lizards and mario are really colorful and interesting like you have the um the hammer bros who throw the hammers and stuff right yeah they're yeah, yeah. all very colorful inter- and then i think i don't know if super mario world came out at that time i'm not sure what the the, move, the year the movie came out, because Super Mario came in, like, 1991 or something like that. Uh, Mario the Brothers
1: was released around the Mario 3 era.
2: Okay. There's so a lot of interesting characters in Mario 3, too. There's a lot of fascinating, interesting characters.
0: In yeah, there. oh, so many. I mean, come on, like...
2: The sun. You can have the sun who's chasing yeah, after you, you know? Like, come
1: on. They even game. fucked it up this. and didn't have Princess Toadstool, but they have Princess Daisy in the movie from Mario Land. <laughs> like,
2: I'm like, is that even really Daisy? Like it's like it's like some reptile type of thing. I'm like, What what's going on here?
1: Monument's correct. Oh. <laughs> correct that Yoshi is in the movie, so it is Super Mario World. Like who blessed this that, shit, my god.
2: That's not Yoshi though. That's a that's a that's a raptor. That's not they Yoshi. Say,
1: they say his name is Yoshi. Cornroll fucking Bowser. It's classic.
2: Oh, it's so cool. Uh, Motomet has a has a a Koopa avatar. I love it. It's <laughs> got Larry. Larry, yeah. So I think that for me personally, I'm just like, yeah, Mario, when I saw that movie, it was, it was atrocious to me personally. I was just like, it's not even fun because Mario is colorful. And it's like, if you want see Castlevania, that would be a better world for Castlevania. It's dark and it's gothic, you know, like, it's like, there's a kind of dark and shadowy world, you know, it's, yeah, of you, it's gotta to the city.
0: It. you gotta have the dark gothic with the castles, you know, gargoyles. Christians. But you
2: don't have that in Mario. That's not a Mario. Thing, except yeah, like, when he goes to the dungeon, you know. But that's still <laughs> colorful with the fire bumping up, and you know, I, I felt the uh, who was the actor, Rob, Bob Hoskins, who played Mario. I mean, he was pretty good. I thought he was a bad, but well, I'm he's just a like, come actor. on, now. he
1: just it's, it's a shitty, uh, shitty script, and it was really bad. I've
2: I've read
1: and on the um the whole background of Super Mario Bros. is like the script. The original script was like colorful and badass, and then. They hired this director that went the fucking new New Donk City with that shit and just made it look like a fucking you know like a dystopian freaking other dimension, which is what we end up getting in Dino City and all that. And it's
0: just literally it was that director that jacked it up. Yeah, people that don't really take consideration and haven't played it. And they're just kind of doing their job, but they're not really doing their job. Like how it's, it's like we that would do
1: director it. was more about
0: the style of their movies instead of the source material. It's just crazy, though. I, I believe the one cool thing about the Double Dragon movie, the T1000, Robert Patrick.
2: Oh, he's there with, uh, with dyed blonde hair magic. and goatee. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's the main bad dude The shadow boss, whatever you want to call him yeah. <laughs> He did a good job He did a good job Well, what's what's interesting about him, though is He was freaking flat broke He was, like, on his way To packing up all his shit wow. And moving away from California Back to his parents' house
2: oh, and,
0: and they called him For the Terminator 2 role Isn't that crazy? Oh, I thought they called him for the Double Dragon role
2: No, (laughs) that
0: That was that was when he was like trying to you know take his what he's done and you know score some extra little bit parts for coke (laughs) yeah he definitely never like got up to that uh, level again but what i love about that story is like at the last minute it all flipped on him and he he got a multi-million dollar contract like you never know you you never know it's just the whole thing about life that's really
1: cool. I mean, you got to do it the Thomas Edison style. You got to keep at it until
0: something.
2: Totally agree. Happens. Yeah, you never, never give up. And and be that's... consistent with what you're doing, too. Don't just like stop and say, "Okay, you know, I I, I did it, now I'm done. I give up." Like, you know, like when like so I have a, a buddy who like with jobs and stuff, he just stops in the middle of the job and he's like, "I'm done. I can't deal with it." I'm like, "No, with me I'm like I got to go the whole way, you know, if I make A humor, more, myself to we're, do it, we're
1: OCD too, yeah, push, push <laughs> through, you know? Yeah. Well, and, th- and the thing is too, is that like when, when it comes to things, it all has to do with passion as well. And it's like, for example, people are like, well, your book just took off. Like when did you just start writing, I'm like, I've been writing for 20 years. Like, wow. <laughs> it ain't nothing new. Like I've been part of like, there's this 20th anniversary for, or no, it's the 15th anniversary for Retro Gaming Times Monthly, and wow. they're asking me to participate in, because I haven't written for the online location in a while, but it's like, shit like that, it's like, no, I, I mean, Kyle and I used to write horror movie reviews, like, back in early 2000, like, like it's wow, nothing new, it's just that literally... I found something that I wanted, which was the fucking collector guides and that style. and then I figured And they're awesome.
2: They're awesome. I'm looking <laughs> at one right now. the <laughs> uh, the Super Nintendo Complete Compendium. I love it. It's oh, awesome. The, oh, the, so the compendium
1: of Personal Stories, which is another idea. literally my books right now are two parallels you got the collector guys like the complete snes and then you got the super nintendo compendium is like the personal story that's two separate parallels that i'm running in tandem and they both are fucking cool they are and it's like it's because my thing was it it should be the same thing you think about when you write your book is like it's something that i wanted and i know what i like and i'm an ocd collector and i know OCD collectors And then my actual analytics side, you know, I actually have a huge film uh, history. I have a minor in mass communications from when I did my undergrad and I've watched so much. Very cool. I know exactly what I like and I love the history aspect of things. And I kind of see like a lot of the videos I enjoy on YouTube and the watching documentaries. It's all about the story and exactly what we like in video game bullshit. So that's kind of what the compendiums are just focused on games. And I have two different focuses because I got my culture chronicles the year by year and then you got the system by system. So like that's where I'm going. So when you do your writing, you got to think about like what can you do to make it something that out of the blue you would want. I like the Castlevania freaking sequel to the area that ties together multiple castlevania games perfectly while staying true to the narrative
0: the passion you can tell the passion's there and you 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 really love it the attention to detail i can feel the passion like just beaming off you when you talk about it so that's the right direction
2: yep and i yeah you're right i really this is something this is a project it's a passion project and i really care about this because i you were just saying that the storytelling is so important because you like that's why star wars particularly the original the four five and six are so good because the storytelling compels you like you have go through this kind of you know building where you go through this you know first arc where you know the heroes defeat the enemy the first time but then 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 the second arc happens and you know, they it's a powerful arc Anandond. where they suffer and they, you know, face retribution. And The third arc is when they overcome and it's like it's a struggle and there's this, you know, and it and it builds like you're, the protagonist you follow, Luke Skywalker, it builds. You know, it's not like yes. Anakin Skywalker, who's horrendous. I don't know what George Lucas was thinking, but, you know, yeah. he, it was horrendous. I'm Because I remember I was like, what's going to happen to Anakin? I'm like, I'm waiting to see what, how are they going to build him up? Oh, no, he's upset. Oh, my wife is going to die. Now I'm going to be bad. You had three movies to get this right, you know?
1: They had the ultimate antagonist, but they fucked it up because Lucas was too chicken shit to go with it. And that was the Dark Jar Jar. Like, that shit was legitimately going to be the biggest swerve in all of Star Wars and because of the fan.
2: You backlash. said Dark Jar Jar?
1: Darth Jar Jar. That was the thing. If you're an analyst and you watch part one and you think about the Darth Jar Jar aspect, you can tell Lucas's mind he was going to go with that. And then by it had such a bad fan backlash. That he, he chickened out and fucking just made him what he ended up being. And then he just shoehorned in Christopher Lee, which is an awesome casting choice. But, like, literally, he's doing drunken master shit in the fucking movie. Like, there's there's no way that that wasn't going to be a huge plot point fucking twist. But
2: What did they do with Christopher Lee, though? They ruined Christopher Lee in the third one. He just dies. Again, like, shoe- this is shoe- Christopher Lee.
1: Yeah, and he's shoehorned in. That's where it would have been way yeah, cooler if they would have had the <laughs> fucking climax of a, a crazy-ass goofball-ass dork in the first movie that ends up being the ultimate, like, drunken master Sith Lord.
0: The whole thing was, it's anticlimactic, too, the first three, because, like, we already know how it ends. Like There's no
1: build-up You yet. can't
0: do that. Like, you would have to start at, like, the first one... And then go and, from and there. And that's why, like, when you remove <laughs> any kind of
1: twist that Lucas might have
0: had in his mind,
1: it's like, ah, oh.
0: that's that's another thing with stories, though. You 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 can't start a story in the middle. The, the other thing with your and you gotta own, be brave and, yes. ex- and expect the beginning. Take risks. And with your own Castlevania
1: story, also be mindful of if you watch Episode Four, Lucas takes shot for shot scenes from old serials and inspiration from everything he drew inspiration from. He utilized it and put his own spin on it. Like, do that. That stuff is legendary for a reason. Like, it also calls back to the history.
0: We have to be fair Mm -hmm. with George Lucas because he didn't know Star Wars was going to become what it was. So, had he seen the whole picture, he might have started with the first episode, but he didn't. So, he just started with the first thing. Actually, he had to develop Yoda because he killed Obi-Wan off. Yep. And that was a whole problem. Like, now what am I going to do? Because now you have no one to teach Luke how to become a Jedi because he put all of his shit into the first movie. At the time, he didn't, wasn't aware that it would become so cult. It didn't even draw like a lot in the initial theatrical showing. It was more in the VHS market where it really gained some ground and became a cult thing. And Mm -hmm. then that's what, you know, gave the grounding for the Empire Strikes Back to exist. So it's kind of like hindsight is twenty twenty, you know, classic.
1: Yeah. And so you got to be a little predictive. But I like that you're kind of with your narrative calling back to the protagonist is even doing an NES style leveling up with even how he's attacking bad guys and having to earn his stripes to become a little more powerful rpg nes hard all of that comes to mind which is good you want people to drop right. parallels in the back of their mind without telling them
0: the uphill nowadays, battle nowadays, right. movies
1: over explain every little plot point when it doesn't you're insulting the intelligence of a lot of the viewers or dropping down to their level where if you want to just tell your story your own way, that's it'll work perfectly.
2: And I think you're right about on a lot of the fronts of harping back to these other concepts and other ideas. And it's completely true. I'm very interested in dynamic characters and stories. I'm not really into static characters. Like Schwarzenegger has not developed at all throughout this movie. He's the same in the beginning and he ends the same way. You know, Rambo is that's, different though.
0: Well, I just want to say the best analogy to that that's why his best character is a fucking cyborg. Because that's who he is. He's a cyborg. He never changes. Every movie, Arnold's the same. Every single movie. Every, it's the one-liner Duke Nukem thing. Like, you know. a,
2: he should play Duke Nukem. That should be. He should play Duke Nukem. <laughs> Actually,
0: that would be amazing. Oh, my God. Holy, that's a great idea. That would sell tickets. I'd go to see that.
2: It would be good. He could throw off all those one-liners,
0: you know? But he's he's very limited, and that's what Conan the Destroyer showed. He had too many lines in that movie. Like, you've got to scale him back.
1: Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, Arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a phone number. its two two six four 4 26-226-4BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast.
0: All right, see you later. Woo! Later!